This is a global original podcast. Hi and welcome to Confessions of a Modern Parent. The podcast where my husband Mark and I discuss the challenges, difficulties, frustrations and ultimately the joys of being parents and step-parents to four wonderful, talented, beautiful daughters aged between 25 and 12. So, we've avoided this one for a long while, haven't we? Birds and the bees. Birds and the bees. And what's so funny is, every time we've said it to any young person, we have a podcast on birds and the bees, so what's that? No one seems to understand. That's how old-fashioned we are. So, we cover it all here. I actually really enjoyed this chat. Yeah, we talk about consent, we talk about contraception, we talk about when to have sex, not to have sex, attitudes to sex Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, it's a bit of an awkward chat. Mm. We didn't Um, get the kids involved in this one. No. I also imagine she went, Mum, that's really awkward. Yeah, and Carlitos <laughs> just threw his phone across the room. <laughs> the reason we're whispering is the kids are still asleep. Good morning and welcome to Confessions of a Modern Parent. As ever, the padding that you can hear in the background is our dog, who always decides when we do this, record, to just keep walking round and round the table. It's so an incredibly socially envious dog, so whenever we have guests, she bugs them and nags them, and then whenever we talk, she starts to walk around. It's so annoying. Which, let's face it, in this household, we never stop bloody talking. <laughs> and, oh boy, we've got a good one for you today. The birds, that was Mark's stomach, the birds and the bees. It was funny, actually, because yesterday, well, a couple of days ago, I put a call out on my Instagram, as ever, asking if anyone wanted to contribute to the podcast, because it really is one of our favourite bits, you know, looking through your comments, and you often you often inspire extra chat and us to go off in different directions. And, and I also appeal to young people at the same time, because we love to hear from them. Um, and I thought... Oh, my God. Am I being so unbelievably old-fashioned? Would they even know what I mean when I say the birds and the bees? That's true. They might think (laughs) birds, honey, honey, baby... Why is it the birds and the bees? It's not like birds and bees mate. I think it's because when you think of birds and bees, it's the epitome of nature. So you say, you know, what what, what is nature? (laughs) It's like... And they're sweet and they're small. And we're not... You can't really attach anything sexual to it. I'd be fascinated to know what the origins of the phrase are. It's just just to try and stay away from actually saying what it is. Sex. Yeah. You know, and all of the things, all of the very, like, cringy, embarrassing things that come along with talking about sex, thinking about sex, communicating about sex to our children. I've actually broken the seal so massively now. It's That's quite a terrible analogy to use. Oh, sorry. Well, it was, I, I was sealed. Oh, yeah. So I suppose I'm sorry. I was sealed. This is getting worse by the minute. <laughs> I, I got a bit dictated, but we'll get to that later, how I've moved on my conversation with the girls. Mark's now looking up furiously yeah. the birds and the bees' origin. So Is this saying, because you're trying to avoid actually talking about the topic? Yeah, they, they, well, it says here it's not actually a description of the mating of avians or insects. The name is just a generalised allusion to using the habits of creatures that children may be familiar with. I suppose it's one step further on from the stork brings them, which was the commonplace reply in the UK. 
Uh, the euphemistic avoidance technique, which may call on references to eggs or the mysterious pollination, is, of course, just very confusing to children <laughs> who, are, so, who are more than capable yeah. of dealing with the facts of life. So um, if any young person has joined this podcast yeah. just to find out what the hell we meant when we said the birds and the I mean, bees. That's a really extended thought, isn't it, from the birds and the bees to an egg to pollution. It's and then why so are the two brought together? Why not the birds and the lizards? The bird and the egg? Or the snail and the slugs? Oh, no, I don't think we want to be slugs. Why snails recreate? <laughs> Anyway, the thought for this, for me, why I wanted to talk about this was it struck me as a thought the other day. How would I or how would we cope if one of our younger girls, especially, or when my older girls were younger, had come up to us and said, Dad, I'm pregnant? You know, oh what? my God, we're going straight there. No, straight no, 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 no. The I'm just trying to, because I, I was trying to understand, you know, often the ideas for these chats come from the authentic experiences we're going through yeah. on a day-to-day basis. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean we're going through the experience we're talking about, but as parents, and I'm sure everyone will relate to this, we live in constant fear of all of these possibilities. And not that this is readily possible, but I thought to myself, well... How would I have dealt with this? How would I deal with this? I mean, if, God forbid, Maddie or Kiki said, no, you know what, I really want a kid when, as I'm young, I want to get it out of the way, I want to move on. Is it just, yeah. you know... And then it's when... actually, I'm actually, like, bristling just at you saying that. Yeah, it's quite like, Say, for instance, Maddie now is 18, 19, you know, 19 this Christmas. We wouldn't have any control over that whatsoever. It's not our choice. It's not at all, even the fact that she currently lives with us, it's still not her choice because it's her body. You know, we can't pick and choose when it's your body. It's my body, I can do what I want. I mean, thankfully, she always says I don't want until I'm in my 30s. No, but, no, but that can shift and change very quickly for me, the right person. But, but even that, you know, it is about relinquishing control because there are mm. many people that have babies at that age who are brilliant parents yeah. and actually it is their calling. And is there really anything quite as extraordinary as creating a life and then trying to, or creative, and you know, and then trying to bring up that person into a very bizarre world, into a good human being? You know, why do we scorn it? What frightens us so much as parents? And I suppose, you know, it all comes down to this, what will they miss out on? It's the terror of them missing out on the life that we've already imagined for them or dreamt for them. Yeah, I sometimes get concerned and worried about this whole confession of a modern parent. Are we parenting advocates? Are we saying, I mean, I know we've discussed before, you know, whether becoming a parent is actually, on many levels, an act of weird selfishness, not horrible selfishness, but it's about the self, isn't it? It's about, we've we've discussed that. Go go back and have a listen to that one, it's quite interesting. But sometimes I wonder whether, you know, you know, do I want my children to, you know, how do I feel on a sort of philosophical level about the thought of my children having children when the world is such a complicated place as we discussed last week you know it's a scary place the world and i think the reason i ended up thinking about it last week was one of our dogs listeners has been incredibly ill and unwell and we we thought we were going to lose her but it's required an enormous amount of care driving around sort of babysitting essentially and i thought you know it's another reminder of we buy these dogs for our kids and we end up looking after them And I thought, well, you know, for many families, I'm sure sure this resonates, I'm sure lots of young adults have decided to have children and then the grandparents Mm. pick up all the Mm. slack. Well, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, and is it about, I suppose, going back to the birds and the bees? I can't believe we've got we've gone straight to a no, baby. No, no, no. So <laughs> we're going to work on the scroll through back it. now. So back to this. So sorry, I'm just punking you at the end no, of where like we're going to get to. Right. But let's go all the way back to those irrelevant birds and bees rubbing their knees together and laying eggs. Where did the baby come from? Actually, we're not going that far back because because this is confessions. Modern parent really is. We're looking at thirteen year olds. Yeah. You know, from thirteen and up, really. So what I'm asking is, are we in the way that we tell our children about the birds and the bees from, say, 13 upwards, is it kind of indirectly hardwired into the advice that we give them, a sort of advice of saying, don't have kids, avoid having kids, delay it as long as possible? Is there quite a negative approach to having kids baked into the way in which we kind of want to get... Because I would say that most listeners would say they don't think it's a good idea for young women to have children or babies too young. I mean, mm. that's a kind of given, isn't it? It's mm. nice. Well, do you remember we did, we did a podcast a few weeks ago, didn't we, about do you regret having your children? And so many of the comments were around, God, I love my kids, I wouldn't have it any other way, but what I would have done is waited. I had them too young. I now, I wasn't quite able to cope or I missed out on life or I wish I'd taken, it, taken longer to find the right person. Mm. And there were just countless messages along those lines and I think you would even say that you were you know you adore Izzy but you were very young you know mm-hmm. and if you had your time again you knew you were going to pick it out you would have had her a few years later. Well, I fully knew about the birds and the bees. You knew about the birds and the bees so how did it happen? Well I was only 23. What so you didn't know about contraception? Of course we did yeah <laughs> but, I mean on some level it's, it's a very curious mm. moment on some level I think we we knowingly toyed with that possibility. Yeah, you kind of. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think I think whereas me and you we went for it. I think there was the idea I mean I can't, you know, begin to unpack the nuanced yeah. reasons like were we in a place where we thought it might be the thing that would yeah. fix us, all that kind of stuff. I don't know, we were t- too young even for that. Exactly. But, but I that's think there was interesting because you were in- 23 and you yeah. were too young for that, you've just yeah, said. And yeah. so I think, yeah, to go back to your question. There is a kind of warning in all mm. the conversations that we have as parents with mm. our kids because we feel that. We feel like, you know, it's the nature of the beast. Like, oh, we've, we have an 18-year-old now and it's good that she thinks she can make all her own decisions and that she's, you know, she's, she's an adult now. And that's good. That's the way she should be thinking. But, it, but, but in a way, it's the most difficult care point mm. because you want to let them feel like they're making these decisions. But, of course... Toffee. We all know... That dog? Sorry. Toffee. We, Toffee, stop it. We all know from our own experiences, even now, at 56, some of the decisions I have to make, I think... God, am I old enough for this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I think... And maybe that is something we have to check, that there isn't too much warning because you don't want your child to stop coming to you for information and support and no, all of that. So it's absolutely. a balance. Like everything, God, isn't it? It's a tightrope. Parenting is a tightrope. Um, so what are we going to discuss? Are we, t- are we talking about how we talk about this? How do we broach the subject? Because, I mean, in our household, we've got to a place where I'm a very liberal willing to talk about it. But I noticed that if I ever step towards talking about the birds and the bees, you are always pulling a face with it. In what way? What do you mean when you talk about the birds and the bees? If I was to ever talk about, you know, the complications of sex or what it can lead to... you You stand behind the girls, waving your arms, gesticulating, whispering whispering loudly to me to shut up. Well, give me an example. Every single day they can be sat at the breakfast bar 
something will come up. I walk into the Lies. room because I've heard... Give me an example. I look, I no, I literally don't, I don't know what you do mean. do the female thing. I've no, had I a literally... notebook. I can just... I know that it's that it's happened on occasion. Because... I will come in, let me finish. I will come in and I will try and contribute to a conversation. It might be a conversation about boys, it might be a conversation about what they've been like, how they've been, where they've transgressed something, where they're being a bit of a buffoon, where they're being a bit of an idiot. So are you talking about relationships or no, sex? I'm just talking about boys. I'm talking about oh, okay. grappling with the thorny subject of boys that fancy all that kind of stuff. I feel, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, yeah. I feel very much placed and kept outside of a conversation that you have with the girls about the boy-girl thing and all the consequences therein of that. Right, so, sorry, I misunderstood. So I thought girl, you I meant... I thought you, I, thought, I thought you meant when you were talking about sex. No, because I just want to rewind, because, yes, I agree with you on that, but I, because, the reason I was so vociferous was because I thought you meant whenever you bring up sex, and actually, the sex I topic... I bring up sex. Yeah, that's why I, what I misunderstood. So when you're talking about the relationships, I think, yeah, that does often happen where, you're, where you start to say something and I'll go, don't, because you might not know the whole other bit that they've told me because it's like I say to you, isn't it? You can't have everything. And I think this is... Each as a parent, we have certain areas. And I think everybody will identify with this. Often, the dad, more often than the, than the mum, is the one that is the fun one, you know, the one that, that's always going to be their friend, that probably doesn't do as much of the discipline, that doesn't, that would probably react in a really big way if they're upset about something. But you get loads of bonuses for being that parent. I, I'm the miserable one. I'm the one who's like, oh, he's a mum, you know, they're always knocking me and all of that. But the thing that I, that I do get more that you get less of is that they come and confide in that really deep no, no, stuff no, no, about, 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 their, about their, what's going on in their relationships. And sometimes when I go, and I know that must be annoying for you, but sometimes when I go, well, no, no, because, because I, you don't I, know that there's something. I think some... there's a prediction. Again, look, none of this was a complaint. I think you totally got the wrong end of the stick. None of this was a complaint. It was an observation of fact. Mm. And I think it's something that occurs in most families. I suppose the difference in our family is you say you're the miserable one. That's total nonsense. The girls love it when you're silly, and you can be silly lots. But they see me as a stricter one. Yeah, but I, yeah. I sometimes feel I do have a perspective, and we'll talk about this later, I do have a perspective on the boy attitude in a, in a girl-boy situation that they're in that might be helpful to them, because it might take some of the heat out of the stupidity of boys. They might be able to discover that there's nothing that malevolent in what they're being thoughtless about or doing or trying to be, and that there can be sometimes a sort of very innocent reason for boyish, stupid behaviour. There can also be really untoward reasons that sometimes I want to caution the girls about and things like that. But when it comes to parenting... I mean, like, for example, I've never had a conversation with the girls about contraception. I wouldn't yeah. be able to tell you what their contraceptive scenario is, if any. I wouldn't know. Yeah. And should I know? I mean, I, you know, I'm asking myself, do I want to know? Not necessarily. Part of me doesn't want to know. Well, I think, well, just scrolling back a bit, first of all, I think that you show them about boys with the kind of conversations that you have around everything in the world. Mm. I think that when it comes to you discussing boys directly or boys that they know, they because they know absolutely that you adore them beyond absolutely anything else and there's always a slight 
Well, I hate them all. Right, exactly. Yeah. So you hate them all. Yeah. You without, know, you hate without, them all. Without exception. Yeah, and so like everyone, like you say, don't trust any of them. First time Maddie went out on a date, what did you say to her? Don't let him put I don't his know, thumb but under I, your bra or something. Yeah, and, I, and she said it was the most bizarre advice she'd ever been given. Well, I didn't want her transgressed in no. any way, shape, or form. And I also parked very near to where they were on a date with binoculars. Exactly. So, so your your advice your advice around the seriousness yeah, yeah, yeah. of a relationship is a bit clowny to them they don't really take it in right. you know in that way but i think by osmosis you've taught them because you've been really honest about how you used to be yeah. and your transgressions you've spoken openly about your regrets mm. you speak you talk you treat me well and you mm. treat me with respect um, they see that if I really want to put a fucking boundary in place, nothing is going to change that. So they uh, they they see how a relationship works and how how there is yeah there's a power struggle between a relationship, but ultimately there has to be equality between them. Mm. So you've done all of that. You do that by your actions. Right. And actually, when you come and go, wow, what's wrong with him? Do you want me to go around and smash his face? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know they're not going to sit down and go listen and talk to you about the nuances mm. and the finer details of the worries of what might have happened in a conversation or a phone call or a text no, 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 because they know that, that you're just going to blindly defend them. Whereas sometimes I'll go, well. You know, was it this or could it have been that? And I'm going to take both, I'm going to look at both sides. On the thing of contraception, like even now we're whispering. Are we now on the birds and the bees again? Well, we, well the important thing is all of that is the birds and the bees. And I think you bringing up is too much of, when we talk around the birds and bees, it's too much of it about a warning. And actually, it must be the whole thing. It must be relationships. It must be everything. Because if you separate sex from everything else and you just stand it alone mm. on the podium going, this thing that's going to happen, I don't think you're really giving them a rounded But also, the other thing is, is like going back it. to some of the other conversations we had about the government trying to sort of, you know, carrot and stick, you know, youngsters into, into getting the vaccine. And we discussed last week about the idea that you tell any teenager or young adult to do something and they're... They're biologically and psychologically constructed to do more often than not the opposite. Yeah. Um, so I think if you end up giving too much advice, I think you run the risk or too much sort of, as you say, objectifying of the act and you must do this mm. and you must do that. Making it go, do you know what? I don't want to do any of what my mum's taught. The last person I want to be thinking about when I'm doing anything with anyone or, mon or, or managing contraceptively myself is be thinking about my parents' advice. It, and that's where I think a little bit of a problem kicks in. It's interesting you should say, talking about sex as something almost totally separate to human relationships. Mm. And I think that's the danger sometimes of sex education. Mm. And I think it was definitely the danger of my mother's instruction with me was it was divorced totally from any emotional context. Well, which is probably how your mother was, was in life well, anyway. Precisely, absolutely. It was, like a, it was like a really horrendous diagram in a book which took all the charm, romance, and eroticism even out of it. it was like, oh my God, mm. this is like something from a horror film. Mm. Well, I think that, you know, it's very important. I see my role as their mum and as a woman talking to them to make them feel, I want them to feel really assured. I thought you were going to say ashamed. Assured that, that the fact that they don't 
you know, first of all, I want them to know that sex is, is a lovely thing mm. and it's a hugely pleasurable thing. And I will say that, I say that to them, mm. you know, what well, I came, you know, my generation, our, fam, our parents would never have said anything no. like that. Well, mine did. I said, you know, it must be enjoyed, you know, it's lovely. Mm. But, and the way that that works is if you are with somebody that you really like. Now, I'm not saying to them, oh, you have to be in love and it has to be no. love, because I think, Rather like when people say all bad drugs are bad and if you have them, you'll probably die instantly and you'll have a bad time and then people grow up and they see other people having drugs and they go, oh, actually, these people seem to be having a really good time. Much better advice mm. to say, yeah, you will see people having a good time, but what you won't see is what behind closed doors and how wrong you mm. can go. And so I, I, I think it's really... And it was really interesting because when I first started talking along those lines, they were like, eh, man, it's disgusting, eh, don't. But I just gently kept... I've just gently over the years kept pushing it because the other thing is I don't want them to think, oh, my God, my parents are in their 50s. That's so disgusting. I don't want them to have sex. Now, I wouldn't share any, any detail of anything, but I want them to have the sense that we are still sexual beings all through our life. There's no shame in it in any age. And I don't want them to... But, but you know, so I, so I say you have to really... It's much better. You're going to enjoy sex more if you like it. Mm. And around consent, I say, you know, things like... Um, you know, because with all this stuff about sharing nudes and all of that, the confusion around a lot of young women think it's empowerment that they send a nude and they get one back, so they've got one to share with the mm. boys. I have big conversations around that to them because that is the peer pressure around that is just enormous. You don't even want to know. You know, and the thing is, if you are too strict and too crazy about your child mentioning anything around that you're not going to really know what's going on mm. and I do and it's scary because I've had mm. the conversations and it's like oh, I'm really God. glad I'm having this conversation with you so I can redress the balance yeah. this isn't love this isn't fancying this isn't you, you having any power control this is all about the power being mm. with the boys I mean I think the topic I was going to say moving on to the topics of consent and abortion really I mean two these two things when I was growing up as a teenage boy were, you know, front and centre of my mother's lesbian feminist activism when she was younger, and they were threaded through me as a teenage boy. And whilst I don't remember having literal conflict about it, I do remember it tripping me up in many areas because, let's say, consent, for example. You know, I sometimes worry it's very simple just to say no means no. It's, it's absolutely mm. right and it's absolutely accurate. But I think the danger behind that means that no means no if you're sort of sitting in a bar and you're at, you're at you know, in a non-sexual situation and someone suggests it and you say no. That's the point, you know. I think getting the message across to boys that however far you go, no can mean no in the middle of sex. Mm. You know, getting that message across is a very difficult one. Uh, for a young boy, even for a young boy like myself, I remember very oddly when I had my son. Did your mum always talk to you about this then, directly she, she about said consent? It, well, from the well, she made it clear that I can't quite convincingly say she, she that she used the phrase "all men are potential rapists." Mm. I think there was a period where it was like "all men are rapists." There was a point in my adolescent development where I was so embedded within feminist thought that I remember having a conversation with some of my mum's feminist friends, saying that the very act of sex, given the physicality of it. Is a dominatory is a dominatory act. I remember being in that dialogue, and that presented all sorts of problems for me in my sex life with my first girlfriend because I was like, 
Jesus Christ, you know, any, any, almost any arousal or any action that can act. It was really confusing. What doubly confused me was when I had um, a sort of relationship before I went to college after my first relationship. And she said to me, she said, she said to me before we partook, she said, now when I say no, I don't mean no, is what I like to do. Oh, God. And I remember <laughs> sitting there wide-eyed. Now going, I'm so confused. What? Oh, that was her little, yeah. yeah and kid. that was her thing. And I was like, really? And I, I remember really troubling over this. And she was being, Just, when she, she was being so coquettish at the class, going, you know, when I say no, I don't mean no. And I'm like, <laughs> what? What, what, do, what do I do here? Oh, I've been brought up. But a it good... was her thing. Yeah. But you told, like, you just, you can't see that listener. She was smiling. She had her Yeah, she was. Yeah, exactly. You know, this is the thing. When you're teaching yeah. consent to kids, yeah. of course, the subtleties of human communication, mm. you can't lay that out. I mean, of and, course, and when it went, on the sixth occasion when she insisted I wear a police uniform and a truncheon, it had gone too far. Gone too far, yeah. right. But the thing is, I think because, and we've we've done a whole podcast on this, because yeah. porn is plays such a big part, we're fighting as parents Absolutely. against this enormous machine mm. that, like, could just roll us over anything we say, because then they go to pornography, which yeah. is just a click of a button. And, of course, the total, you know, the, the lie of pornography, mm. well, not all pornography, obviously, but the lie of... Some pornography is the idea that women love it like that, and da 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 da. So, yeah. it, you know, baked into some of this yeah. awful shit is a sense of weird consent. Yeah. Um, and then that gets completely so confused confusing. and poor boys kids. and girls, you know. Poor it, boys, it really poor kids. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 I've had the very awkward, I have had the awkward conversation. I push through it, I make it very, I don't, I've never sat them down and gone, you know, I'll be doing something else, I'm cooking, so they're not having to look straight at you. When we're having mm. a walk, these are when I have the conversations with the girls and I have, I say to them, you know, I'm very graphic. I say, you know, a lot of boys and you probably have seen it as well. I never like to say, oh, it's just boys. You know, you will see, you might see this and I'll explain something really good. You might see this, da, 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 they might do it. They are confused. Some boys are confused. Yeah, yeah, and they think that... I said, imagine being a boy not knowing actually what mm. you're supposed to do with this thing of theirs. Especially this. if you've had no guidance and, or Yeah, and you've had no guidance. And what you've done is, with the lads, watch some yeah. porn and all gone, yeah, yeah. And then he comes into the bedroom or wherever or down the park or whatever and does this stuff mm. because he thinks that's what he's supposed to do. I've had that conversation as, as, as bare as that. I've had mm. that conversation with the girls and I say... You have to explain. Like, if you're getting into a relationship, mm. you will have to explain that, you know, real life isn't like porn. If they haven't had the experience, you're going to mm. have to say that. I mean, thank you know? God I didn't have that whole pressure there. Too. I mean, I had a different yeah. kind of pressure. I was coming from the other angle. It was kind of like, my God, you know, am I allowed to have this arousal? Am I allowed to, you know, is this right? Mm. In what ways am I... And then the next conversation, of course, all the way through my childhood, and the only reason I'm referring back to my childhood listener is that as a bloke, as a heterosexual bloke of 50, I probably am one of the few guys of my age who was at all the pro-choice abortion rallies going through mm. London almost every weekend with my mum. She was very, very, um, you know, uh, active in the... And I, I say this not pro-abortion, but the pro-choice. And it's a mm. big thing. We're talking about the choice of the woman. Mm. So I knew from a very early age about the sanctity, if you like, 
and the um, you know autonomy of a woman's body mm. and the idea that when pregnancy, if pregnancy happens. So I, I also had that. So I was very across contraception. Me and my first girlfriend, she was on the pill. I, we started our relationship very much. It was condoms, all that kind of stuff. So I was very aware of well, that. Well, I see, that's good because yeah. your mum had had the conversations with and you. Also, I mean, some of the conversations she could have done without, but that's really yeah. good that you knew all of that and yeah. you were, were responsible. But for me, it was like, it was such a, it was like a three-line whip. There is, it's the woman's entire choice. choice. Nothing to do with you, Mark. Absolutely. So think about it if you want to get into that shit. Yeah. Well, and then the thing comes into it that, well, well that's the same when they're actually... If, if your child were to get pregnant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's going to be their choice, yeah. one way or the other, yeah. isn't it? Which is incredibly hard. I mean, my worry is that we do, we, I mean, I don't know, do we live in a culture, I've heard sort of anecdotal stories from, I won't say who, but various young kids that, you know, sometimes the morning after pill is used like a contraception, mm. you know, mm. they'll have sex, they'll just trot along. I mean. I'm pretty certain the morning after pill had just come in when I was young. Oh, you had to have... I, I, but you yeah. had to get all sorts of... Yeah. I mean, actually, when I, I had a termination and I had actually had a situation with a condom, I went to see this GP, I didn't know her before, I said, I think I need the morning after pill. I was being fully responsible and she said, no, you won't. You will. You you don't need it. Where were you in your cycle? This is the absolute oh God's God. honest truth. This was from a GP. She said, where are you in your cycle? It's highly, highly unlikely that you would be pregnant and that it will make you feel really ill. Can you imagine? She must have been mm. anti-abortion. Mm. And I was pregnant. My I God. got pregnant and I had to have a termination. Now, I've spoken to the girls about that. And, and you know, and, and the conversation that I've had around that as well is, don't be fobbed off. You know, whatever, you, know you have the right to keep asking if something can feel why didn't I just insist why didn't I go and look further mm -hmm. when that doctor turned it down but it was a big palaver you had to go in you had to have your blood pressure you had to you couldn't just get it over the mm -hmm. over the counter and I do worry about that and it's a very important I mean I'm really glad with the girls that I've had that conversation with them for for you know right from the beginning that don't use the morning after pill as just something all every weekend because it's a huge dose of mm -hmm. hormones absolutely um what it's very complicated, you know, the, you know, I mean, talking on contraception, it's horrendous for a mum, it's absolutely horrendous. Because, you know, having the conversation with them has so many twists and turns. You know, the whole world is going crazy about a one in a million chance of getting a clot with AstraZeneca. With the pill, it's one in a hundred thousand girls will get a clot from the mm. pill. You know, so, and because Maddie is really well informed, it's all very scary, you know, they put in a coil with no anaesthetic. Can you even imagine what the pain of that is? Mm. Can you imagine if no, you said oh, to a man, no. we're going to put a coil up your oh, penis, penis and in, no. up into your womb with no contraception? You know, it's, it's, it's complicated. No anaesthetic, sorry. <clears throat> it's very complicated and um, very, very important that you have the full meaningful conversation with them. But if it's too, if, if, if it's too awkward for you, I will actually, I'll put the, I'll put the um, name of the Instagram account that I think is absolutely brilliant. It's so informative and it's so pre pro women. And um, I actually have handed that to all the girls. I, get, I give it out all the time because mm. it's just, it's so detailed. I right. learn stuff from it, even though I don't need contraception anymore. Um, but, it, it, but, but if you don't have that conversation, where are they going to get their information from? Or if you feel too awkward to have the conversation, the other idea is, like, let me, I'll drop you off. Oh, you can go into the family planning place and you can have a conversation with somebody in there. Mm. You know, just be 
you've got to go with what you feel your child needs from you, but just don't shy away from it completely because you'll probably... I feel like we need to do an episode, but we'll need guests for it because we don't have first-hand experience of it, about teenage pregnancy from different angles, from, like, the parent of a teen... Let's do that. Let's get some guests in. ..to maybe children who are now grown up whose parents were teens when they had them, you know, almost the three generations, and even four, you could go to the grandparent. I mean, I was just thinking as a potential hypothetical, what would one do in this situation? You've encouraged your... you've, You've enabled your daughters to know that it's, you know, not wrong, but advisable not to take contraception, don't have babies too young, but then your daughter gets pregnant. Uh, the, son, the boy that she's got pregnant with recognises that it's probably not the right time to have a baby, but yeah. your daughter's the one saying, I, I want the baby. And so, I in a sense, you find yourself aligned with the boy who recognises this could disrupt all your lives. He doesn't think he's got the commitment. I know. I mean, it's complicated for parents. It's so complicated. And, of course, we don't have sons. No, so we can't even imagine yeah. what it's like that way round. Yeah. When you're, If your teenage son gets a teenage girl pregnant and he doesn't want to know anything about it, yeah. and yet you've got the ache of knowing you have a grandchild yeah. somewhere... And also, we, we have, we're not ignoring it, I suppose, it's because it's around the whole fertility thing. I mean, obviously, there's all the different dilemmas parenting gay boys and gay girls yeah. uh, around sex and consent and, exactly. and all that stuff. Yeah. So we're not sort of ignoring it. We just don't have first-hand experience. Well, I suppose, that's, I suppose that is another um, difficult topic, that, isn't it? Because mm. if, you're, if your child is in a same-sex relationship... I suppose what you can do is just give the same advice in any relationship. Yes. But for somebody that cares for you, you know, if you feel uncomfortable or awkward in any situation, then that's not right. Listen to your instinct. Um, I suppose the advice is more is, is the same, really. You can't get into the nitty gritty of sex because no. if it's not something you know about, you know. Now, before we record each episode of our podcast, we ask you to get involved on social media. Hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to get in touch on our Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and Family. On Twitter, at Nadia Sawala. And if you're a little bit scared of Nadia and you're a little bit worried that she might tell you off, you could always come to lovely, cuddly old me at, at, on Instagram at Mark underscore Adderley. A-double-D-E-R-L-E-Y. Here we go. We've got some uh, comments here from some parents. Um, Emma Carter says, I never got the conversation from my mum. She got a friend to talk to me. Orcs. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm very open from a young age with my boys. I even got them condoms and told them about pregnancy and STDs. I even talked to my eldest son's girlfriend about being safe. safe. Also, mm. I've drummed into my boys about consent and respect. Good on you, Emma. Emma, brilliant. Yeah, well, oh, my yeah. God, you can't believe she got a friend to do it. Oh, that's so sweet, though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I wonder, were you very close to the friend? I suppose sometimes yeah. an auntie or something could be a good idea. Yeah. Um, see, I wouldn't advise my mum to talk to my girls about oh it now. God, no. Um, says, uh, I showed my daughter at 13 how to put a condom on. I used a cucumber, that's our postman, by the way, and it was quite old. Oh, my God. I imagine sitting with your children and... Uh, I mean, good <laughs> on you, girls. I mean, if it, well, I hope it worked. Wouldn't it be funny, though, if you f- came downstairs and found your children only putting them on condoms? No, on cucumbers. Oh, sorry. <laughs> condoms on condoms on cucumbers. Sorry, all the, all the seeds are getting in the way there. Um, who have we got? Sarah, never worried about my son. We never felt uncomfortable talking about sex. Now grandparents at 40 and 42. Wow. And come from really good home. Toxic relationship now. 
with the mum of our granddaughter who won't let us or our son see her. Ah, oh, that's what Lady I was just Rachel. talking Ooh, about. Oh, bless yeah. you, my darling. That is... I can't imagine that. No. I, I would find that absolutely unbearable, the agony of not being able to see your grandchild. Oh, oh my awful. God. Just awful. Uh, insomniac shopper. I was talking all things birds and bees in an age-related way from when my boys were around seven. We spoke about how babies get to be born and responsibility. More detail was added as they got older. When they became teenagers, it wasn't hard to go into the topics of consent and contraception. That's a good, that's good advice there. Move in sort of grad, yeah. graduated fashion. Yeah. Don't answer t too many questions. Don't, don't go off on one if they ask a simple question yeah. at four or five, you know, and just build on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I remember the, the joy of sex was always bouncing around. Yeah, I remember thinking, oh, man, he's got, as much hair on his, he's got as much hair around his penis as he has on his beard. It's horrible. Yeah. Remember? Mm. Um, Erickson... If you're wondering what the hell Mark's talking about, that was a, that was a book that oh, nearly every house had had, The yeah, Joy yeah. of Sex, in the 80s. Um, I was very curious because on my mum's shelves when I went hunting for one, there was a gay one, obviously a lesbian. Oh. Yeah, none of it made any sense. <laughs> uh, Ericsson Marnie, very I spoke to my kids very directly as the consequences can be very serious, especially around consent. Mm. Um, oh, here we go. Look, Emma, my son is gay, so there are a whole other load of things to discuss. Can mm. you talk about this too? He's only 14. Mm. Yeah, well, as I say, I mean, we kind of pay reference that a little bit, Emma, we don't have first-hand experience. Maybe we could get our friend Lee yeah. to have a chat with us yeah, about that. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll do a whole separate podcast yes, on that. Absolutely. That'd be really good. Um, Lou Root, uh, yes, although the, yes, I did talk to my children. I presume your question was about how do you talk, do you talk to your kids about these matters? Uh, Lou Root says, yes, although the first time my daughter asked me what's oral sex, I said I had no idea. Ask your teacher. Oh, no. She did. She said, uh, I'm never doing that. It's gross, isn't it, Mum? Oh, I, I haven't even thought Ask about the nuanced teacher. details of sex, I suppose. Yeah. You know, most kids yeah, I, I would find just, that from I, their peer group, don't I they? I would just hold on tight to my boots and just tell them. Would, would you? Yeah, Christ absolutely. Because um, I don't know how somebody else is going to tell them. The teacher is fine. Um, but you don't, you don't know what, you know, who else might they ask? I love, I love this answer to whatever your question. Your question was something along the lines of, what was it? What do you talk to Loads your children? Yeah, yeah, no. How do you talk to your children? What situation do you talk to your children about the birds and the bees? Eileen says in the car. <laughs> ah, that's the most. That's the best that's, place. That's, a not, bit of that's like what, similar to what I said when yes. I'm doing the kitchen or when we're walking along. So you're not looking at them into their eyes. It's too much for them to take. Yeah. Oh, if, oh, my God, can you imagine if you were called down... Can you come downstairs? We need to have a conversation. You were sat at the table and told... Oh, God, oh, oh. that's so formal. Oh, with God. A, with, a, with a notepad and I'd a fire. So, I'd cringe. And a whiteboard. Oh, no. Uh, Bonnie, the schools make it very complicated, especially with pansexual, etc. Et have the conversation, but it's important to also talk about love, not just the act. And I think, again, that goes back to what you were saying, mm. you know... Yes, obviously, there can be sex, no strings attached, and just the act, but it is ultimately some form of expression of emotional connection with someone mm. as well, isn't it? And I think it's important to sort of re-explain. And, and if you're a young girl and nobody's ever had that conversation with you and you've got, like, a super horny young boy, you are not going to know. You're not yeah. going to know that that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> and whether we like it or not, and I don't care if anyone says it's a generalisation, more so with women than with men, there has to be an emotional connection. Especially with very young people. Yeah. Uh, this person's handle is Mental Health Awareness 111. My daughter had a child a few days before her 17th birthday. 
He's six now. Other older daughter had an abortion as she wasn't ready. Her body, her choice, 100%. Wow. Two ends of the spectrum. Wow. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, always talked openly whenever it came up since they were tiny. Never been an issue. My kids, boy 24, girl 20, talk to me about everything, as do their friends. Oh. Um, M. Farrell always talked about things with kids from a young age and answered any questions truthfully. Um, Always been honest and age-appropriate. My kids know what they need to, and they are honest with me. It's a relaxed conversation here and no taboo. They needed to know early about consent, as they were abused by their biological father at oh one, two, God. and four. Oh, my God. I needed to make sure it never <clears throat> happens again. I have two boys and a girl. Oh, my wow. darling, poor thing, wow. having to manage that. Oh. And what a thing to have to factor in. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um... Mrs. Megan Radford, Osborne, have a brilliant book. Oh, Osborne, sorry, as in the publishers, have a brilliant book me and my daughter laughed through. I was such a giggler. Gemma, we watched the start of Look Who's Talking and explained it. Chats openly, chatted openly and asked questions and have taught some on what women go through too. It isn't taught in school to boys, even about periods. Well, yeah, let them into the room, for God's sake. <laughs> what do you mean, let them into the room? Well, they need to be in the same room when the girls are getting the period chat. <laughs> oh, I see, yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I think they, that is changing now, though. Yeah. Hazel Malbonne, my parents never told me about it. I think it was a bit taboo then, but I spoke to all my children. I think that's the case. Generationally, yeah. I think it's becoming easier, yeah. perhaps. Uh, Katie, I was uh, mum at 18, mother-in-law at 17. I, I don't want my son to be a young dad and he's only three in September. Oh, wow. I think the thing is that you have to have an ongoing conversation because, because of social media and the things that pop up all the time. I mean, recently somebody was telling me about this new, I don't want to call it a craze, but almost a fashion, which is daddy issues. Mm. <clears throat> it's on TikTok, it's on all over the place. And so boys like girls, wait for this, guys, hold on to your boots, it's pretty damn horrible, with daddy issues because they're more malleable. I mean, just think about that. They look for girls with daddy issues. Oh, my God. Yeah, dads that didn't Please. love them, dads that abandoned them. And it's a oh thing that's, that's talked about quite casually. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've got daddy, you know, and they even use it. Like, some girls will use it, like, as a thing, yeah, I've got daddy issues. It's a thing that's that's an attractive thing. That's just horrendous. Isn't it? Horrendous. Look at your face, that's why. And this is a thing. I can't even get my head <clears throat> But, I mean, I heard this, like, two weeks ago, you know, so that conversation is ongoing. Mm. And, of course, the conversation was like, wow, whew, that's... Why do you think that is, mm. that they like that? Well, yeah, that's because they want to control. They want control. They want to know that whatever, however they behave, you're going to be still yearning for that attention and that's that... That's a groomer. <clears throat> that's, 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 that's within their own peer groups, mm. you know? A couple more comments here. Nightingale, I struggled massively when my daughter was pregnant, thought I'd failed at being a parent. Oh, yeah. Well, this is, an, you know, this is why we do Confessions of a Modern Parent, because as your children get older, oh, my God, you know, more and more, anything you want to share with your friends or with your group, it becomes a reflection on you, doesn't it? And you can end up feeling judged. And so people keep so many of their fears and worries with their teens to themselves, which is enormously stressful. I mean, God, I, I, I get that. I feel it every day. <laughs> 
And then some questions here. You, you talked to the teens about pregnancy oh, yeah, determinations great. and your parents' attitudes too. Um, I'm going to keep all of these anonymous. Uh, this person says, my mum is totally against termination. She would disown me if I did. Oh, God. Huge pressure, that, if you <coughs> ever found yourself in a accident Oh, my darling. Um, I'm the daughter but of... But don't forget there are plenty of organisations you can talk mm. to, you know, to get a balanced... a balanced opinion, you know. Uh, I'm the daughter, and when I got pregnant accidentally, being on the pill, etc., my mum was fully... Oh, and it doesn't have the end of that one. Oh, fully supportive, I think it probably says. Yeah. Um, someone here says, uh, anonymous, my now ex-boyfriend didn't understand consent and ignored me when I said stop. Oh, darling. Oh, my God. Um, please, please reach out to Rape Crisis. It doesn't matter if that happened uh, 20 years ago, yesterday, last week. They are there to support and they do great work because that, that is just horrific if you've had to go through that. That is rape. If you've said no and he paid no attention to that, then that is yeah. rape within a relationship. And it's no less disturbing yeah. than any other kind of rape. My, I'm putting my arms around you across the bloody digital airways. Please reach out and get support for that. Uh, this one tickles the edges of every parent's worst nightmare. Again, anonymous. Could you talk about being drunk and giving consent, please? Because I know at parties with teenagers and alcohol, consent can get very messy. Yeah. It's just, well, I mean, it's one of the most crucial <clears throat> reasons to be careful about how much you drink as a no. girl, unfortunately. I mean, uh, well, and I think as a boy, because, like, friends of mine who have sons, they talk about this all the time. They're like, you know, I say to them, doesn't matter how how much you think she might be uh, okay with it if she's drunk do not have sex with her if you are drunk do not have sex with her that really is you know if somebody's if somebody's obviously if they're a bit pissed that's how a lot of sex happens but if somebody is really drunk then really the only answer is to say don't because you're leaving yourself really vulnerable mm. um mark and i have this conversation all the time with the girls about it's grossly unfair. You know, if something happened when you were drunk, it would only be their fault because if somebody ignores your your no, then it's, it's their fault. It's never the fault of the person that is drunk. But you have to understand that you could leave yourself vulnerable to very scurrilous people if you get so drunk mm -hmm. you don't know which way is up, you know, and that's the line of our conversation because it, it's really important that you don't, I think, leave girls thinking you know, that there would be any judgment or any finger pointing, because imagine if that happened and then they felt they couldn't tell you because be worried about your reaction. You wouldn't want that with your child. I mean, the terrible fact of the matter with alcohol is, is that it all, the lines become blurred. Oh, no, I mean, you know, no. so, you, so you might, in a drunken state, absolutely fancy it and within the middle of it realise you don't want it. I mean, yeah. you know, how does that operate? Yeah, um, awful. Another comment here, no sex talk for me. I rushed into relationships and got forced to do stuff I now live to regret. Oh, so you feel that perhaps a Because there was no information given to you. Yeah. Wow, that's a salutary tale, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. For anyone that might be listening and thinking, oh, I'm just too embarrassed, I'm going to put it off, listen to that. That is... That's the nub of it, isn't it? Uh, anonymous, my mum has always been open, so I've always been informed. My sister got pregnant at 16 and 18, so I've always been aware, and my mum has always spoken to us about the whole thing casually. My sister struggled as a teen parent, so I learnt from her she wouldn't be without them, but it would not have been her first choice. 
Wow. See, it's interesting, isn't it? My mum did talk to them. Yeah. I wonder if those conversations happened after her kids. Yeah. I wonder if the two kids that had got pregnant... I mean, God, you know... There is no, there's no utter protection from this, is there? There really isn't. You can have the conversation, you can hold their hand down to the family planning, but they're teens and sometimes, you know, mistakes happen and, yeah. I suppose the really important thing is to say, I am here to listen to you, Absolutely. whatever happens. If you're worried about your pregnancy, speak to me as soon as you can so that we can help you make an informed decision. Because a friend of mine, when I was growing up, she got pregnant and she kept it secret and she kept it secret oh, and she God. kept it secret oh, and it went on and on and on yeah wow. and it was it was dire for everybody in the end but and that's because she was too scared to tell her mum you know so you I don't ever want that it, it you strikes, don't want that it strikes me that across the ages and across you know as in generations and across the ages and across the sexual orientations it's all about you know, trying to be as open and approachable. I think it's for parents. It's about making yourself as approachable. And I think, yeah, it's tricky, but who said being a parent was easy? Our job all the time is to navigate that really tricky boundary between instruction and guidance and allowing them the freedom to discover yeah. for themselves. And that's that's no easy feat. I mean, that's what this is all about, this chat, yeah. these chats, because... How do you get the balance right? What works for one family doesn't work Hopefully. for another. One you can do it all right yeah, and then yeah, it all absolutely. goes wrong. You know, yeah. Classic case in point being, you know, you can have three or four children all growing up in the same household and they all behave completely differently, you know. So, you know, it's it's really, really difficult. Um, that was interesting. Really but, interesting. Yeah. I'm just th I've just got this terrible wave of sadness to the point where I could actually weep. And I'm thinking of that film that we saw, that that brilliant, brilliant film that was all around that young girl that had the termination. Yeah. Oh, my God. We'll put that underneath, because I think neither of us will be able to remember the no. name of that film now. But It was the three lines, anything, something. Do you remember she was interviewed yeah. about being pregnant? Yes, and there was yeah. the three final can lines. We put it on, can we put it yeah, underneath? We'll Is that yeah. possible? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because... The name of it, yeah. My God, that film, I think, of, it was one of the most powerful films I've ever seen about how a girl can just be caught with no options mm. and the fear around that and it will just really open your heart. Yeah, really well. Really well. Um, yeah. God, I tell you what, it's not bloody easy being a parent, is it? No. And also I just feel emotional for that young girl there that just shared about her mm. boyfriend not understanding that when she said no, she meant no. And as ever, thank you so much for sharing your deeply personal... Yeah experiences with us it really enriches our conversation and you know we can just waffle on in the way that we do but your stories will you know will chime with some other person that's listening to this mm. and in exactly the same way and i think that it really that there's nothing quite like that than shared human experience and also one of the greatest adages of being an alcoholic or a recovering alcoholic is is you know look for the similarities not the mm. differences and i think one one thing you can say about being parents across the board is there's always going to be some similarity by yeah. the fact that you're parents yeah <laughs> let's pull together they say it takes a village to bring up a child exactly less judgment more support well 
Well, that's it for this episode of Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you'd like to comment on any of the topics we've discussed today, we'd love you to get in touch. Use the hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Nadia Sawala. And on Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and family. And if you fancy getting in touch with me, it's at Mark underscore Adderley. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate and review, tell your friends and get involved. And you can hear more episodes of Confessions of a Modern Parent on Global Player or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. <laughs>